Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the U.S. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm lucky enough to be joined by one of the OG members of the Clinic Gym Hybrid community, one of the original gangsters, uh, Chip Bleem. Chip, how are you? I'm doing well, Josh. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you coming. Uh, Chip, we are doing kind of a success series. So we're talking to some clients and some people that have launched this model in the last few years. And, uh, you know, you were one of the, one of the first and, um, you know, you've, you've seen kind of all the aspects you've seen, uh, the purest definition of a micro gym. And now you have what some people would call a small gym, but other people would be like, Hey, this is pretty good. You're certainly like, Oh, this thing's huge. Right. I, I, I feel like I have a warehouse all to myself. <laughs> Very nice. Well, uh, let's start off and go back to the beginning, Chip, so people can kind of get an idea of who you are and what you do. Where and when did you graduate chiropractic college and where do you practice? And um, let's just go from there. Okay. So I graduated from NYCC in 98. Or no, I'm sorry. Graduated University of Delaware in 98. Uh, with a fitness management degree. So I had kind of the exercise background to start with and then went to NYCC, graduated there in 01. Um, Soon after that, I went back. I grew up right outside of Philadelphia. So I practiced at home for about a year until uh, my wife graduated. So she graduated in 02. And then upon her graduation, we decided to move down to Baltimore. Um, we've moved around a little bit, and now we're settled in Sykesville, Maryland. Very cool. And uh, Chip, we were just getting a little bit of lag there, so I just killed your video, but okay. um, we should be good. Um, so you guys practice together now, and you know that first office, I don't know if that was your first office, but the first one I saw there in Eldersburg, uh, give me an idea, everybody an idea of what we're talking about, size of your office, and how much space you had for exercise. Yeah, so we, we opened our practice about five years ago in that space. So Carol and I had practiced together at another location as associates and decided it was time to kind of go out on our own and do things our way. So we looked for a, kind of a low-budget bootstrap kind of startup so we didn't take on a whole lot of debt. Right. And uh, basically what happened was we found this space. It was about 600 square feet total. That included two treatment rooms, a small kind of reception area, and about 200 to 250 square feet of rehab area. So we decided that that's where we wanted to run our rehab and then decided after talking with you and picking your brain a little bit that we could run classes out of that small 200 square foot area. Now for everybody listening, like it was, (laughs) I think 200 square feet is being generous because like- that's without equipment, without your little band station. I mean, like when you're in that tiny space, people forget how much of, of your square footage goes for storage, right? Like when you put some kettlebells on the ground, now you're down to 192 square feet. (laughs) Correct. Correct. Yeah. But you would run classes of how big in that space? 
we could comfortably fit four and we did run up to five people in a class in that space. And that's still with that. Go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say, I think part of that was the fact that we were able to use kettlebells as our primary tool because they take up so much. They only take up a, a little bit of space in comparison to putting a barbell or a squat rack or that kind of stuff on the floor. Yeah. Damn straight, man. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's always better to start off with less equipment and less space because you get real, I don't know how to say it. If you have everything at your disposal, I think you become lazy and you don't actually design good programs or, and you don't coach well because you don't need to. You just, as soon as somebody doesn't understand something like, Oh, well use this piece of equipment. Whereas when you're either, you know, starting out and you're completely broke, like some, some folks that work with us are, or in your case, you're like, I, you know, you could certainly afford more equipment, but it's like, where are we going to put that? Like hang it out from the ceiling or something? Like there's nowhere to put it. And yet you were still able to pull, pull it off. And you're right. Kettlebells are perfect because they're wherever your person stands, they fit between their feet. Right. Correct. And, and that was the beauty of it was we already had the kettlebells from our rehab side. So there wasn't a whole lot of expense other than doubling up some of the bells so that people could work with, you know, different weights. But for the most part, there was no real additional expense other than time on our part to get it running. Right. So from when you started having a, focusing on having a fitness classes, you literally spent like, what, 300 bucks on equipment, mostly just getting a second kettlebell in certain weights? In the beginning, we didn't even spend that, Josh, because we got the, the classes running And then as the classes grew, we realized that we needed to um, get more equipment. So basically what we did was, if we're talking about $300 worth of kettlebells, it only took, you know, one client one month to pay for those $300 or a little bit of more, but, you know, maybe it's two clients to pay for that $300 worth of kettlebells. So you did the definition of paying cash from the money you make for new equipment. Correct. Correct. I mean, we didn't take on any debt to start it at all. Yeah. People say that, but they mean, well, I just put it on a credit card. Like you mean you took on no debt, not a single dime of debt. No, nothing. That's awesome, dude. That is so awesome. All right. So, so I remember the early days, you just, you start out very simply, right? Very small space and just a couple classes a week, correct? We, we started out with one class a week. Well, so when I say that the one class would meet on Monday and Wednesday at seven o'clock at night. So after I finished with patients, I finished up my notes, they would come in and in the beginning, it was actually the highlight of my day Mm -hmm. because I would love going through patient treatment and all that stuff. But then I really enjoyed watching these people get stronger. So it was, it really worked well for us to be able to, uh, to run those classes in such a way that I had, I guess I had control over them. So I was actually overseeing it. I was running the classes until we got busy enough that we needed to hire a new trainer. All right. So it started out with one class of four people and that went mm-hmm. two nights a week. And then right. as you expanded, what, what did you need to expand to? So we expanded by adding an early morning class. Okay. So, and then, like I said, in the beginning, it was a little bit of sweat equity where we would teach, I would teach the early morning and teach the evening. And that was basically how it worked for a little while. Um, but it was enough with those, you know, those two classes running, if you have eight people in those classes, you know, the first month they covered, you know, electric cable phone bills, which was great. 
And then when we added that second class and filled that to four, all of a sudden my rent in the office was covered. It was wonderful. So two classes of four, basically four people a piece was enough to pay all the overhead minus uh, chip salary. Yes. So another yep. way to say that is you were essentially operating for free and everything you did in the clinic. Well, obviously your wife, Carol, everything you both made in the clinic was roughly equal to your take home pay or what you could take home if, if you were calculating off that. Correct. Now, I mean, there were some additional expenses that would pop up like licensing fees and stuff like that Yeah. where, you know, you have to renew your license, those kinds of things. But the, the month, the month overhead was basically covered with those two classes. That's awesome. That's so, oh God, that's great. And yeah. what I love about this chip is like, you were the perfect client to get for my program because people are like, well, I don't have enough space. I only have 400 square feet. And I'd be like, yeah, Chip's doing it with uh, 200 square yeah, feet. Don't worry. And then they'd be like, <laughs> well. no reason you can't. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I can find 10 people. I'm like, yeah, don't worry. Chip found four. Like, mm-hmm. you don't worry, you know? And like, well, I don't know if I, I can hire a trainer yet because, you know, we only have three or four classes going a week. I'm like, yeah, Chip start a second class and he started one. You know, like, you yeah. were basically uh, cutting the legs out from every argument people would bail, but it, it's different when it's a client that's doing it than when I say it, you know? Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. So you were just doing it perfectly. And then, you know, you guys, um, you know, like I have clients that grew faster, but they didn't, that didn't come at, that wasn't free. Like you guys are the perfect uh, uh, version of like, take small steps to climb a mountain, you know? Absolutely. It's the, you know, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. Right. So we hired the trainer, which was great because she actually served two purposes. So soon after that jump to two classes, we hired a trainer. When your business doubled in the gym. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. So she, she was actually a CA too. So she did the, she began doing coaching the classes and then also doing the rehab with the patients. So now we could, you know, earn additional income with the classes and also earn additional income because we could see more patients. Now, Chip, when you started and you got it up to say in the original office, not, not your, uh, your massive warehouse now, but in the original <laughs> office, if you were to look back at those five years and for, for those people listening, like if, if you were to, you know, we're going to go to that forward event in yeah. a couple of weeks and we're going to see some, some young students. And if you could guide a young Chip and Carol that when they open their office, uh, if you had started with offering classes to establish patients only, so not doing any outside marketing, how much money do you think you basically left on the table in those first five years? A ton. Because the, so the beauty of it is it becomes a symbiotic relationship, right? So people are going to tweak things along the way. Not that you want them to in your classes, but they're going to in life. So yeah. if they come into your class and they say, hey, my, my lower back's a little irritated. A, we're going to modify what we do that day. And B, I'm going to say to them, hey, why don't you follow up? Let's do a visit. Let's take a look at it and see what's going on. So mm-hmm. it keeps you front of mind with all of those people. So if you pick up patients or pick up clients in the gym who have never been a patient, they become that much more likely to come in as a, you know, a patient in the office. Mm-hmm. So they feed off of each other. And I think as a marketing effort, you know, one of the best things you can do is just stay top of mind with your people. And when they don't need care anymore, cause they're feeling great, 
at least they're still coming in, still interacting with you. And I'm sure that if we look over those six months that you're in the old office, how many, I don't know what you would call them, referrals or word of mouth, like, oh man, I got to send my brother-in-law in. He was complaining all weekend about his back. Like, but you're, you're in front of those people actively. It, they, it happens more often than, you'd re, than you actually realize. Yeah. So they may not say something to you during the class or say something to the coach during the class, but then you'll get a phone call from someone who you know has never even been a patient in the office and they referred in, you know, their son, their daughter, their wife, their grandmother, whatever it is. Very nice. So, so Chip, let's talk about the little transition area. So I remember I came out to visit you, man, I can't remember if it was July of 18, 2018. Does that sound right? This is last July. Yep. Yeah. And you were still in the um, original office, but you kind of were, because we looked at some spaces. So you were on the, the verge of, of expanding, but let's, before that moment, can you kind of walk people through what it was like of making the decision of, Hey, we could stay here and be very comfortable and basically burst the seams of this place. Right. And probably clear a lot of profit because there was so low overhead versus let's expand and get to a bigger one. And I think you're a special case because your wife is your business partner as well. And in that case, usually that person's not, um, they won't hold back in their opinion, right? (laughs) Correct. When you have a crazy ass idea, she'll let you know it's crazy and that you're an ass. (laughs) But in all seriousness, it's, it's very true. And it's, the funny thing is, Josh, as much as I am, uh, I've become kind of the, I guess, the, the face of the office more because I'm there more often, Carol is the one with the ideas. So we feed off of each other, and she's the one who says, let's go, let's do this. And I'm more the paralysis by analysis guy. Okay. So I'm, she'll, it'll be her idea, and then I will hyperanalyze everything. So this idea had been floating around in our head for a while and then talking with you cemented that we needed to add this fitness to our office and it was more to be able to help, right? So our target demographic is that 40 to 60 range. So 40 years old to 60 years old, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that generation doesn't really know how to exercise. A lot of them still think walking or biking or running is going to be the answer to them staying fit. So we, we hadn't, we saw an opportunity to teach these people more. And the thing that we ran into in the old office and the impetus for the move was that we didn't have time in the day to run the classes and have patients in the office at the same time. We couldn't do it. So the classes could only run when the clinic was closed. So now in the new space, we have space in the back of the facility where we can have a class running while there's patients in the office. And there, I don't think there's any better marketing tool than having the classes running so that people can see it when they're in as a patient. Because inevitably they say, hey, what's going on back there? And then it, gives you, it opens the door to have the, uh, the conversation about what's going on back there. Yeah, that's great. Now, in that decision, though, uh, you weren't going to be able to move for just a little bit more in rent, right? No, it was a it wasn't like jump. a 50% increase. It was a big ass increase. Yes. Yeah. We, we jumped about three and a half times in terms of rent. Wow. So you mind now sharing also, what the, the actual number was? What were you paying in the, in the original office? In the original office, we were at 1100 a month. Okay. And now we're in the four to 
4,500 a month. So but we went from 600 square feet to 2,700 square feet. Right. And it's not just the rent. So, I mean, now you got some serious rent. You also have the cost of cooling that place and heating that place is way different, right? Correct. Yeah. Your business insurance went up a little bit. Um, just a touch. Yeah. So there's all those. Um, uh, so how did you kind of, how did you guys get comfortable with that idea when you, you know, up to the point where you actually signed on the dotted line for the new spot? Um, what were the conversations like? So it's an interesting situation for us too, because we have young kids, right? Yeah. So we know that our youngest is a year away from kindergarten. So when we signed on the lease, she was two years away. Um, but we knew that when she was in kindergarten, all of a sudden, Carol and I can actually practice together because currently we only practice with one of us in the office at a time. The other one is typically tending to the kids or doing, you know, marketing or billing or whatever. So there's a super common thing in small business, right? Is correct. Both, both spouses, whether or not, I mean, even in your case, they're both chiropractors, but even if they're not, they're both working on the business all day long. Yes. It is perpetual. Yeah. So once, once our youngest is in school, then Carol will be able to treat patients. Um, I don't know that she'll come back full time, but she'll come back, you know, to half time to three quarter time, right? which will be a big jump. But in our old office, there wasn't enough room for both of us to be in there and doing patient care and rehab at the same time. So we knew right. we needed to move. So we wanted to move to a space that would allow us to have the space in the back to run the classes while the front is occupied with clinic and rehab. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was the impetus for the move. I mean, we needed to, to expand and we figured we would do it now. Mm-hmm. And then when she's ready to go, she was ready to step right in. Right on. Okay. And, um, and then from the time you signed, how long did it take for you guys to actually get in the space from you signing, agreeing to the lease to, actively working out and treating people in the, in the gym. How long was it? It was about three to four months okay. before we, we moved. We signed in late August and actually we signed in mid, mid September and then we were moved in the first week of January. Okay. Perfect. And that experience for people who haven't yet gone through it. Um, what do you, what do you remember from that time? Construction delays or problems or, I didn't know I'd have to select a, a funny one's always, you got to select the handles for the doors, you know, and the locks on the, uh, you know, on all the doors going into the offices or, or what, uh, what sink hardware do you want? Luckily, my wife has a much better eye for design than I do. So I just deferred, right? I had some say, but for the most part, it was on her. Um, we did hit some delays with zoning and all that kind of stuff, but that's this area in general. They tend to hit a lot of zoning delays. Um, but to be honest, our transition was relatively smooth because we worked with a large property management group. So when we signed on the dotted line, it was signing with build out costs and, um, the general contractor and all that stuff was rolled into it. So we just showed up and looked at it and was like, wow, this place is great. And then we walked back out and they handled the whole thing. So That's it great. was relatively, relatively easy on us, which was good because it allowed us to keep running the business and not be distracted by what's going on here. Why isn't the drywall up? That kind of stuff. 
Hey, I want to tell you all about Membrant. Membrant with a D in there like Rembrandt. Membrant is an app platform. Now this company is the one who built the Clinic Gym Hybrid app. And if you uh, purchase our accelerator program, you will get firsthand knowledge of what they do. But I think this is the next evolution in clinics who want to really give their patients better care, better service while making it more convenient. So what Membrant can do is help you design a custom app for your company. This isn't just like rebranding somebody else's. This is your app that lives on the app store and your patients can download. Now, what's the power of an app? Well, let's just say, for example, that you have a certain protocol that you want your low back pain patients to go for. So let's say you include the McGill Big Three, a little talk about repetitive motions and finding your kind of McKenzie protocol of reducing your, your pain through those repetitive asymptomatic movements. Well, you could tag the patients, meaning that you kind of put them on a list that says you want them to have access to the low back protocols, right? And then you could have another program of videos, articles, exercise descriptions, all that, that only go out to your patients with shoulder pain, right? Or ones that go out to patients with plantar fasciitis. If you can build that program, then what Membrane can help you do is make sure that only the patients that really need the plantar fasciitis exercises get that delivered to their phone. That thing that they're staring at, some estimates say as many as 500 times a day. All right. So check out membrant.com, membrant.com, or send me an email. I can hook you up with those guys and they can put together a fantastic program. I think it's really the future and it's one more way that technology will help you make more money while providing better care and a better business model. So check out membrant.com. Now, how about transitioning your patients? I mean, you know, you're working in an older population and um, mm-hmm. sometimes they don't like change. And when you change locations and all that stuff, sometimes they get a little uh, ornery. Can you share yeah. a story or something about how that went or what you remember? Of, I'm sure that somebody showed up to the old location when you're in the new location, right? You know what's funny, Josh? We, it happened one or two times and that's it. So we did a really good job of sending out mailers, sending out emails, And part of the thing was we actually documented the process the whole time. So it was on social media. It was, I mean, I was sending it out in our weekly newsletters that we send out. So there was always like, people were aware that we were moving. So for those three months, we kept people. Yeah. Most people don't send out that message often enough or enough media and they just happen to send one letter or whatever, but that's, you know, taking your clients through the process as you're moving was a fantastic idea. And it, it was easy for us because I was excited about it. So I wanted to post everything about it all the time. So anytime anything changed, I shared that information. And then luckily, well, I don't know if it was luckily for him, but our previous landlord hadn't rented out our space yet. So he was kind enough to allow us to put a sign in the window saying that we had moved. Um, so people were able to find us. And to be honest, our new location is about two miles away from our old location. So it's not a huge change. And where the main intersection in the town is, it's about a, the old office was a half mile east and the new office is a mile and a half west of that main intersection. So people didn't have any trouble finding us in the new location. It's not like it was a huge transition. Very cool. Well, that, that part went smooth. And then, uh, so when you got into your new space, what clinically, was there any change? I mean, was it now easier to integrate rehab or, um, kind of how did your business operations change 
once you had all this extra space? We just, it's funny because everyone warned us that with a move, you would see a dip in patient load. So like I said, we worked diligently to make sure that everyone knew what was going on so that they wouldn't miss out and also tried to generate excitement and buzz about it so that people would want to see the new space. So ironically, we opened the doors and we grew about 20%, I would say, over the first month or so. And then we stayed at that level for several months thereafter. So there was no lag. There was no um, patient loss along the way. Mm-hmm. And we had more space to do more stuff in that space. So it was really nice to be able to, um, to have the space to do more things with patients. So we were doing more carries and more um, you know, kettlebell swings and those kinds of things where we didn't have to worry about other people in the space at all. That's awesome. Now, talk to us a little bit about how, uh, so you said, you know, everybody was like, oh, you're going to dip down 20, 30%, blah, 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 be ready, prep for it. Um, Obviously you didn't. And part of that is I think that you had probably 30 extra percent of business waiting for you that you couldn't tap into because you didn't have the physical space for it either before, right? Uh, There was people who were waiting, but it wasn't, I think it was generally the buzz that we, that people saw. I think that's okay. what mattered more. Very cool. So, so going to that, um, looking at your space design, anything you would have done different? Of Would you have gotten more space? Do you think you got sufficient amount? Would you have done, uh, added more treatment rooms, taken away more treatment rooms, you know, n- moving forward? Because that's always a, a thing is you don't know how to design the space till you've actually run live people through it. So what'd Correct. you learn there? So our space is a little bit narrow. So it's fine for a class of four to six, but it doesn't necessarily allow us to run larger classes than that easily. Uh Um, But at the same time, I like this space and the the layout has been working well. We have three treatment rooms we have, which will eventually be Carol and I, and then we've spoken with some massage therapists and acupuncturists and a nutrition coach about possibly having them um, rent that third room from us. Um, so I can't complain about the layout so far when people walk in the door, one of the first things they see is the squat rack. So they know they're not in a, um, a traditional chiropractic office. We'll say they know they're there to do work, which has really helped us to generate, um, quite a few patients from local gyms and and those kinds of things. But it's, it's good motivation for people to see this wide open gym space, and like I said, know that they're there to do some work. They're not there to, to goof off and, you know, just get adjusted. So on the squat rack, though, on the side of it, do you hang the, uh, the four stages of spinal degeneration poster? <laughs> no, that, that poster is actually in the recycle bin out back, actually. Oh, okay. Good. Nice. We hang a TRX from it. That's about it. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, uh, so the space maybe you'd widen it a little bit, but you're kind of, you didn't have that option, right? Like the, the space was built out as it was and the, the dimensions were set accordingly. Um, let's talk a little bit about staffing because I think that's an area, again, where you guys took a very smart, like diligent step-by-step approach, mm-hmm. but, and you didn't wait till you were basically uh, going crazy and your wife was ready to divorce you by working because you're working so many hours. You hired fairly early in the process of offering fitness, right? Yes. We, 
Now, um, I know that a lot of people have had some trouble finding a good, reputable trainer that they trust, but you have to do the legwork to find the right person. You don't want to bring in a trainer that you, that you don't know or that you can't trust with your patients and clients. We got very fortunate, and actually it was kind of, I guess, serendipitous. We, I sent out a newsletter saying that we were looking for a trainer who could also work as a CA, uh-huh. and what happened was one of our former patients got the newsletter and forwarded it to her neighbor and her neighbor happened to be looking for a job. So she came in and we talked with her and she has been an amazing employee. We've been very, very happy with her. And like I said, she wears a ton of hats in the office, right? So she's the trainer. She's the head CA. She also does a lot of the um, answering the phones and scheduling and co-pays and all that stuff. So she's been wonderful for us. And it just happened to be that we sent out a newsletter and the right person read it. Now, what's interesting about her, because I, I know a little bit about her, but I met her. Mm-hmm. couple things. She doesn't look like an Instagram fitness star, right? Like she, she looks like a, a, an in-shape soccer mom. Yep. Um, and I think some people are like looking f- in their mind, maybe they're picturing that 23 to 27-year-old um, young, motivated, somebody out of college. And I think you guys did a great job of matching your demographic with your coach. Um, so that's one piece if you want to talk about it. The second piece is what was on her resume as far as training when she showed up? So um, she, has, she has fit in perfectly with, her, with the classes as well as our patients because she's very empathetic. She understands because she's been there too. You know what I mean? So she's teaching movements to people that they haven't learned before, but she remembers learning them herself. So it's, it's, it's very interesting to see. We hired a trainer who was younger, stronger, fitter, but doesn't necessarily empathize with the patients as well. So she's done a really good job of being able to fit in with the, the, the clients on the fitness side, which has been really, really beneficial. And she's, she's believable. You know, she's a, she's a very good communicator. She came from a background, actually, where she was a chiropractic assistant in another office. So she oh, already wow, had I know some, that. Yeah, so she had some background with a lot of the exercises. And ironically, the other office that she was a, a chiropractic assistant in was the office that we had worked at before. Now, we didn't know her when she worked there because she came on after we had left. But so she had some background in those exercises already. And actually, she had, um, she had also trained at a kettlebell gym in the past. So work, she had trained there herself and also worked as a trainer at the kettlebell gym in the past. So she had experience coming into it and she knew how to move. It was just a really seamless transition. Yeah, but the, uh, I guess too, like a lot of clients that I work with get into this idea of like, they want to see the resume reflect the same classes that they as a doctor believe in. And my experience is uh, you, you don't want that. <laughs> like, we think we want that, but if you can shape them and introduce them to those under your umbrella, it seems to go better. Absolutely. What, what would you say? So I would agree with that 100%. The, the thing that I think is really important is you have to make sure that that person is willing to learn 
and adopt your training philosophy. So you don't want to hire a trainer just because they're a well-known trainer at a gym if they're not willing to train the way that you want them to be trained or you want them to train, I should say. Yeah. Because it's your, it's your facility. It's, it's your gym. You have to run it your way and make sure that, you know, the clients are getting what they've been promised. Now you've hired other people who do have better, um, I don't know how to say this, their resume on the hiring process looks stronger about the training subject material, correct? Yes. But um, looking back at that and, and knowing what you know, how much weight, if, if we said like, if, if you had two buckets to put, both buckets in total have to equal 100%, but um, customer service and, um, you know, let's say customer service skills and genuine nice person bucket is number one and bucket number two is specific training skills. So person comes in with, oh man, I'm strong first certified or I'm done the CFSC program or I've, I've, I'm FMS certified, all these great trainings. How much weight would you put in each bucket? Looking back on it now, uh, I would say it's 80% personality, 20% what they already know. 80% and personality. It, it makes such a huge difference. It's, so it's unbelievable. They have to meet your population where they are. So if the person literally was just fantastic at explaining everything and, um, and had a great attitude and people liked them and they were certified, they took a weekend instructor certification in Zumba or body pump. Um, even though that's nothing of what you teach exercise wise, you'd take that person over the person that had every single class that you've taken. Absolutely. Yeah. I the think knowledge is great, but they have to be able to deliver it. Right. And they have to be able to deliver it in a way that people want to receive it. And that's mm -hmm. really, I think that's the bigger thing. I mean, I'm learning more and more that it's, it's, if you find the right person, as long as you have the time and ability to invest in teaching them, then that's, that's the way to go. You don't want to hire someone because they have a lot of knowledge if they're not going to be the right person for your, whether it's the clients in the gym or your clinic, they, it has to be the right person. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So, uh, yeah, I think so many people get in this idea of like, they already need to have the classes, but really I think that those classes will be so much more impactful after you've worked in the population that you're working with because of the cues that you remember and the, the methods of, because like in, in your 40 to 60 year olds, you, you guys don't need to find out, Oh, how do you get extra weight onto a trap bar uh, for deadlifts, right? Like that you're going with, how can we make this simpler to somebody who's coming off a really bad back injury or, uh, you know, this person uh, delivered a baby at 41 years old. Like how do we keep, get her back in shape as fast as possible? Like these, those cues are in the, the classes you take, but you're probably not asking for them unless you're working in those populations. Correct. Yeah. You're not looking for the ways to explain it to that person. If you don't know like who that person is, you know what I mean? You have to, yeah. I, the, the thing we talk about all the time is meeting people where they are. So if someone comes in and they're, you know, 50 pounds overweight and my job is just to give them a good, safe, healthy workout, then I, I need to be able to do that without provoking them or without um, causing pain or even worse is making them 
feel defeated during the workout or after the workout, right? So one of the things we talk about all the time is I want you to be able to train again tomorrow if you want to. Right. So we'll push people in the beginning. They're going to have some soreness and stiffness and we explain that. But once they've been with us for a month or two, all of a sudden that soreness and stiffness isn't what it once was. And it's certainly not the uh, measurement of a great workout, right? Absolutely not. You have to train people for that. I, I, you know, if people are listening because the, if, they, if you don't give them anything else, they will use that as their mark. Absolutely. Yeah. I just had a conversation with a, uh, a patient yesterday who trained with us for two months and she wanted to return to her CrossFit gym. Um, and it's the gym that we go to as well. So I, the, their training methodology is great. I have no qualms about it at all. And one of the things she said to me was that she noticed that after our workouts that she did with us, she felt like she was pushed, but she never felt sore the next day. So I thought that was, to me, that was a huge compliment because she knew what she was trying to accomplish and she felt like she was getting a good workout, but she didn't feel like she was crushed the next day. Yeah. I remember uh, Dan John at a Perform Better Summit said, anybody can make a person tired but it's really difficult to make a person better in a workout. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So, all right, Chip. Well, uh, I, we'll wrap this up in a couple minutes, but looking back, I mean, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're at the stage where you've, you've given up all your hair, you got some wrinkles, yeah. you got some calluses, you've been in the game long enough and certainly you got a career hopefully for decades beyond now. Right. Let's hope so. Yeah. But, um, if you were talking to, let, let's kind of give three different people. If you're talking to a student, one or two tips for them if you're, that wants to get into this model. If you're talking to somebody that's maybe in their first or second year of practice or they're an associate wants to get into this model, what would you tell them? And if you're talking to that person that, you know, you're at the point you open a, a hybrid facility, you're already, what, 10 years into practice and into your professional career? Yeah, I was 15, 15 Ooh. years in. Yeah. yeah, but you guys look so young. That's the problem with you bleams, man. <laughs> I mean, Carol, Carol looks like Carol she's... Keeps me young. Yeah, she looks like she's, you know, 27, and you, tell, you claim that you met her at 23, and yet, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you bought, bought those kids, but certainly she, there's no way she had kids, so... Carry, carry the one, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, you can do that, man. I'll just, I'll just always be like, oh, Carol, you look 27. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so go back, yeah, let's... So Tips for those, ki- the, those people listening that are, that are in school right now and they want to get into this model. My, my first tip for them would be to um, know that when you've graduated school or in your first couple of years of practice, you're still learning. It is more important in those first five years out of practice, I would, or out of school rather, I would say to learn than it is to earn. If you're not in a situation where you're learning, then you're, you're stunting your own growth. So if you're going to take an associate position or open on your own, if you're going to take an associate position, make sure it's with someone who can serve as a mentor and who genuinely takes an interest in teaching you what you need to know. Um, If you're going to be uh, going out on your own, you need to find a mentor or challenge yourself to continually learn. I, I think that those first five years out of school were super important to me. I found the right mentors and I was able to learn a ton from them. Um, so that would be my advice to new graduates. Um, and if you're in school, get your hands on as many people as possible and 
you know, the, the course curriculum in the chiropractic schools seems to be really well organized to get you to pass boards. But I don't know how um, critical it is when it comes to real world success. So don't be afraid to pick up some other books, you know, things like, you know, Craig Levinson's books or Gray Cook's books, any of those things to give you kind of a basis for, especially if you're interested in rehab, get into those books, dive into them. Right. Um, if you are, you know, five to 15 years out of practice or out of school rather, and you're into practice, my advice would be just, just start the clinic gym, man. Just start it. So get a baseline knowledge, whether it's going through the CFSC course or Mm -hmm. um, doing some kettlebell training or barbell training or whatever it is, but get a basic knowledge of how to train and then just begin to sprinkle it into your, um, your conversations with patients, make sure that people are interested in it. And if you can get four people, you can get started and just get it going. I love it. Uh, you mind if people reach out to you if they have questions? Absolutely. More than happy to answer whatever questions I can help with. Yeah. How can they, what's the best way to get a hold of you for like professional level questions? Uh, email is probably the best. Uh, my personal email is very creative. It's chip at freedom dash cairo.com. So chip at freedom dash cairo.com. Awesome. And of course you're active in the FTCA group and the uh, FTCA Cairo hybrid group, like all your, all those places and people can hit you up. Yeah. Feel free to send a PM, whatever, however you want to get in touch with us. That's fine. Yeah. Just slide into his DMS, man. I I guess that's the term that (laughs) the kids are using these days. Kids are saying, yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, Chip, thank you so much. And congratulations on all your success, man. It's been awesome to, to watch it. And um, again, I just love the fact that you are, not only are you a no excuses, you and your wife are no excuses kind of folks, but you, 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 uh, you remove the excuses other people have just by showing that it can be done, you know? So I think that that's probably why you guys are, are such great parents and great business owners and great chiropractors. So congratulations to you guys. And thanks a lot. Um, you know, it's super inspiring uh, to see it actually go on, man. Well, thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. I appreciate all your guidance. It's been a uh hugely instrumental in the growth of our practice. So we really appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you very much. Hey man. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, on behalf of of Chip Bleem out there in beautiful Eldersburg, Maryland, uh, this is Dr. Josh Satterley here in sunny Las Vegas saying go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks, Chip. Thank you, Josh. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information, just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. That's clinicgymhybrid.com and check us out there.